This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high of silver, the Lone Ranger. Many years passed between the days of the covered wagon and the time when the first railroad pushed its steel rails into the western United States. The country was still uncivilized, however, and the railroad engineers were faced with many difficulties. The extremes of weather, the rough country, and hostile Indians all made the building of the railroad an almost superhuman task. It might never have been completed without the help of the masked rider of the plains. His knowledge of the country, his courage and daring, solved problem after problem for the engineers. It was he, more than any other man, who made the winning of the West possible. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver! We're heading for the railroad. There's going to be trouble. Hail, Silver! Away! <laughs> A 
supply train was driving west of Ogden over a newly laid stretch of track. Bruce Abbott, the superintendent in charge of construction, had taken the place of the fireman in the engine and... Is that enough steam, Hank? <laughs> Your hair, Bruce. Seems funny seeing you inside a cab. I thought you were stuck in an office for good. I was an engineer long before I was a superintendent, Hank. From what I hear, doggone good one. Not so bad. How was Mort before we left? You stopped at his place, didn't you? Uh, he's coming around. Somebody sure hit him a good whack. I'd like to catch a fellow who did it. You think I wouldn't? Him and me have been pards ever since he first went firing for me. Then some sneaking polecat of a freighter lays for him, hits him from behind. You know, Mort come close to being killed. So you blame the trouble we've been having on the freighters too, huh? Who else would it be? I agree with you. I wish we could get some proof against them. Ah, uh, get proof against Mike Cavanaugh, that's all. He's their leader. One of these days we will. Supplies stolen, men hit from behind, drugs poisoned, machinery stolen in. There ain't a doggone thing them freighters could think to do that they ain't done. You'd expect they'd realize there's no use fighting. The railroad has come to this country and it's here to stay. Wagon freighters are through. If they'd admit the fact and plan accordingly, they might save something from their investment. If they continue fighting, they'll lose everything. How's the dude take the trouble we're having? Paul Booth? Uh-huh. He's all right, Hank. It isn't his fault his father's general manager of the line. Nope. It ain't his fault he's your assistant, either. What he savvies about railroading, you can learn from a jackrabbit. He sure must be a help to you. He'll learn. Everybody's got to learn sometime. Yeah, they don't have to start learning at the top, though. I'm afraid you don't like it. Ah, the dude... Would he turn to and fire for me like you're doing? Uh, he'd be too doggone scared to get his hands dirtied up. I'm here because I had to inspect this rail. Uh-huh. And you could have been doing it riding fancy like a passenger. But instead, you take Mort's place so you wouldn't have to ask one of the boys to do a little extra. Seems getting low, isn't it? Might fire up a little. Crazy idiots. What's wrong? A couple of fool cowpunchers setting their horses right in the middle of the track ahead of us. Must think we can fly right over him. Still there? Ain't stirred a step. Wait until the last moment, most likely. If they're cow punches, they've got to have their fun. Blast them! No sense at all. You think they see you? Of course they do. And if they didn't, they could hear us. It wouldn't be a holdup. Oh, nobody'd hold up a supply train. Bruce they ain't gonna budge. Maybe there's something wrong. We'll blame soon find out. And if they figure on stopping us just for a joke, I'll have their fool hide. You better stop fast. I'll tell them something. Hank, look there. Matt! And a redskin beside him. What? What's the meaning of this? We ain't carrying anything that'd be worth your while to steal. Look down the track. Huh? Beyond the curb. Hank, good Lord. I don't see it. You look at track. It's torn up. Hank, somebody's ripped up at least three sections. Jumping Jehoshaphat. And we was heading right for it. If the masked fellow hadn't stopped us, we'd have turned over. Just as sure as it was them freighters done it. Impossible, we'd have been killed. Stranger, I suppose you're an outlaw. You wouldn't be wearing that mask. But you've done us a good turn, we won't forget. What makes you think the freighters are responsible for this? Because it's them that's been making all the trouble. You caught them at it? Not yet, stranger. But the time will come when Kavanaugh will make one slip, and that'll be his finish. I've heard of Kavanaugh. I'll bet you ain't heard nothing good. As a matter of fact, I've heard a number of good things about him. You talk like he was a friend of his. I've never seen him. Well, I don't know where you got your information, but I can tell you you're mistaken. Mike Kavanaugh owns the largest fleet of wagon freighters serving this district. There isn't another freighter around who doesn't follow Kavanaugh's lead. And that places the responsibility for the trouble we've had right up to him. You might be right. I know I am. However, I think I'd prefer to find out for myself. We'd better be getting on, Tonto. Uh, yes, and we'll have to get back to Ogden and send men to repair this damage at once. Let's get started, Hank. Back her up. Uh-huh. Stranger, hope we'll meet again. Perhaps we may. We make camp now. There's something else I want to do first. Uh-huh. Mike Cavanaugh's headquarters are in Rock Rapids. 
The town the railroad's approaching. Um, we right there? Yes. We've heard so many conflicting stories about the rivalry between the freighters and the railroad tunnel. I think it's time somebody found out the truth. Uh, we'll start out by having a look at Kavanaugh. Come on, Get Scout. Get him up, Scout. It was evening before the Lone Ranger and Tonto approached Rock Rapids. Before they could make out the town itself, they saw a red glow in the distance. And as they rode closer, discovered that two large wagons, fully loaded with freight, were on fire. A large crowd had gathered to witness the blaze, and... None of those look like two of Kavanaugh's freighters. Mm, that's right. Pull in between these buildings here. We'll be undercover and still be able to see what's going on. Uh-huh. This is close enough, Tonto. Oh, Tonto. Those are Kavanaugh's wagons, all right. You can make out his name painted on the side. The fire hasn't reached yet. Uh. A big fellow in the center looking on. I wonder if that isn't Kavanaugh himself. Isn't that what fellas say him look like? Yes, he answers the description. But Tonto, and that's Kavanaugh. He's going after that little breed. Tonto, ride a little closer. Perhaps we can learn what the trouble is. You little snake. Come here. No place. Give it to him, Mike. Turn the breed over your knees, Frankie. Take the truth out of the country. I'm Kavanaugh. I've done nothing. I do no harm. Leave me go, senor. Tonto, confound you. Did you set fire to these wagons? Did the railroad hire you to do his dirty work first? No, no, it is not so. Ah, you do anything you were paid to do, just so it didn't take no nerve. If I were sure you did this, I'd string you up yourself. Why do you think I do these things, senor? I am not the outlaw. You're a sneaking polecat. No, no, I swear. Ah, you, you swear. swear. You swear. Ah, you wouldn't say what time it was without lying about it. Speak up, blast you. How much did Abbott give you for this job? Nothing, senor Cavanaugh, nothing. I am on your side. I do uh, not. On my side. You wanted to get even with me ever since I fired you. Please, I... Ah, been... Get away from me. I dirty my hands by touching you. Go on, scat. Big dog, you it. Now I will show you a pig. <laughs> Look at the breed runner. He must think you're a home and answering, Mike. The names he calls you. You better watch out or he'll be knifing you in the back. Yeah, knifing me in the back like the railroad's trying to do. Burning me wagon, stealing my freight, hiring my men away from me. I'm just about through. This keeps up and I'm going to fight back just as crooked and dirty as they are. Bruce Abbott started this... But by thunder, I'll finish it or not the reason why. Him, plenty man. Although there's something definitely wrong here. Bruce Abbott blames Mike Cavanaugh and Mike blames Bruce. Ah. And from what I've seen of both men, with what we've been told, I doubt that either one would try to drive the other out with crooked methods. And that's what Tonto think. Tonto, those two men are going to meet. That's good. Do you remember that small grove of trees halfway between here and Ogden on the south side of the rails? Uh, Tonto, remember. That's where we'll make camp. Uh, this is what I want you to do. Get Mike to go with you. If he won't go willingly, force him to. And what you do? I'm going after Bruce Abbott. I'll bring him there and we'll see what happens when the two of them meet face uh, to face. Be careful. But get Mike as soon as you can. Tonto, do that. And I'll see you later. Come on, Silver. Bruce Abbott's office was in Ogden. Later that same evening, he was seated at his desk, and across from him was young Paul Booth, his assistant and the son of the railroad general manager. Bruce finished reading a letter from the home office and tossed it impatiently aside with... Well, they want miracles. They're just asking you to do the job you were hired to do. Yes? You think I'm to blame for the delays we've had, Paul? Well, you're in charge, aren't you, Bruce? What is there I failed to do that I should have done? I'm not your boss. Right. Paul, let's put our cards on the table. I've defended you in front of the men for the good of the organization. But I don't have to pretend between the two of us. I've been doing your work as well as my own. You wouldn't have been made my assistant if it weren't for your father's authority. Oh, so you're criticizing my father, eh? He's a good man, but a poor judge of his son's worth. Why, Hold you... on, I'll finish what I have to say. You've made it clear enough since you've been here that you think you're better fitted for the job I hold than I am. At least I'd catch the crooks that cause all the trouble. Possibly. But you've caused trouble in another direction. I haven't the least doubt that you're the cause of the things that were written in this letter. Yeah? 
What did it say? It stated emphatically that the next accident causing a delay in construction would mean my discharge. Well, fair enough. I've known your father for a long time. He's had complete confidence in me until you came here and started writing him letters. Maybe it's about time I came along. Maybe he needed someone on the ground to tell him the truth. You're just sore. Ah, you're a spoiled kid who's had everything his own way. Well, as long as you're working under me, that's finished. From now on, you'll do your share. I'll send you packing just as fast as I would one of those men out there laying rails. (laughs) Bruce, I've got an idea I'll be here long after you're gone. Very well. But until then, by heavens, you'll obey my orders. Clark, Mask, the mask man I met today. Bruce, you're coming with me. I'm what? Well, so you're friends with outlaws, eh? There's a man I want you to meet, Bruce. Get your hat and coat. We're riding and we're not wasting time. Bruce Abbott was forced to accompany the Lone Ranger, and they rode to the small woods halfway between Ogden and Rock Rapids. Tonto and Mike Cavanaugh were already there, and the Indian jumped to his feet at the sound of approaching hoofs. Oh, Silver! Oh, 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 Tonto, get Mike all right. I see you did. Well, I'll be... Mike Cavanaugh. Bruce Abbott. Why, you're skulking no good crawling kin to a sidewinder. You, Mike. If I'd known it was you I was going to meet, I'd have brought a gun along and given you what you've been asking for. What I've been asking for? Why, you... Hold on. There's going to be no fighting here. But he's the man who's responsible. I've heard all that before. You can't stop me from giving this maverick a piece of my mind. Did I... I can stop you and will. Are you working for this fellow? I'm not. Bruce, you've had trouble building the railroad. You blamed it on Mike. With good reason. Mike, you've had troubles as well. I happen to know the two of your wagons were destroyed early this evening. I also know that you accused Bruce of being behind it. Accused me? And why not? You think I'd stoop to a thing like that? You think the only way I can get this railroad bill is by using your crooked methods? To blazes with your railroad and your choo-choo trains. All I want is to be left alone. That's what I want. I didn't start this. Wait. I didn't have any fun, but I, I didn't. I said wait. Well, I'm not going you're to stand here. You're both right and you're both wrong. Unless I'm mistaken in the way I've sized up the two of you. What do you mean by that? I'm convinced you're both wrong when you accuse each other of crooked attempts to cause trouble. I'm convinced you're right when you each say you ask only to be let alone. If he ain't started this trouble, who did? Well, that's what we're going to try to find out. I'd like to know something. Yes? This is the second time I've met you. Both times you've been masked. From what I've seen of you, I don't know what to decide. Well? Either you're not an outlaw, or what I thought I knew about outlaws was all wrong. Now, which is it? Tonto and I are not outlaws. You know, I'm inclined to believe you. Yeah, you are a funny-sounding fellow for a crook, stranger. Well, let's get down to business. Neither one of you is behind the trouble there's been, and someone who hasn't been suspected must be. I don't know who. Nor do I. I'm going to ask both of you some questions, however. And if you answer honestly, we may find out. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, do something right here, huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! To the Loot Crate video box, what's with kids today, huh? Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash Loot Crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash Loot Crate. Great Scott! Snap into a Loot Crate, dig You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
with a speed of lighter cloud of dust and a hearty high silver and the Lone Ranger. Now to continue our story. When the Lone Ranger had closely questioned Mike Cavanaugh and Bruce Abbott, he allowed them to return to their homes. Then he talked over the situation with Tonto. Tonto, from what we got out of Mike and Bruce, it seems there are only two men who might have caused all this trouble. Mm, that's right. One was that breed we saw near the fire. Mike told us Pedro's hated him ever since he caught the breed stealing and discharged him. Ah. From what Mike said, Pedro wouldn't have the intelligence to plan all the suspicious accidents that have happened both to the railroad and the freighters. And they wouldn't have a motive. He might try to get even, but his method would be a knife in the back. Not a large-scale quarrel between the two outfits. Maybe, maybe Mike right. Bruce, however, named Paul Booth. Paul would have the intelligence. Ah. And yet Bruce won't believe that Paul would deliberately wreck the railroad. He's willing to admit Paul would like to have him fired. He won't admit Paul would be disloyal to his own father. Other fellow hurt father. Paul wouldn't be the first disloyal son. There's one drawback, though. What that? Bruce says Paul hates physical labor. Paul, for instance, would never have gone to the effort of tearing up those rails. Oh. There's one other objection. Paul has a perfect alibi for the time that a number of the attacks occurred. He was with Bruce when Mark McMahon, the fireman, was struck. And you think him not crook? I don't know. There's a possibility I just thought of. Mm. What that? Pedro and Paul Booth might be together in this. Paul could plan it, and Pedro could carry out the plan. Oh, that's right. We can't accuse either one of them, however, without proof. And what we do? Tato, we're either going to pin the guilt on them or prove they're innocent. Uh. Here, Silver. Call Scout Kimo Sabe. Here, Scout. I'll ride to Ogden, Tato. You'll ride to Rock Rapids. How to do that? Steady, old fellow. I want you to keep an eye on Pedro. I'll watch Paul Booth. Uh, that, that heap good idea. We want to get to the bottom of this as soon as possible. Another serious accident and Bruce loses his job. We've got to prevent that. How to try. Good. As soon as I learn anything, I'll return here. You do the same. Hello, Silver! Away! It was the very next night that Paul Booth quietly dismounted near a tumble-down cabin in the hills north of Ogden. A light shone from a broken window, and Paul looked inside before making his way to the sagging door. There he knocked three times. A pause, then twice more. Is that you, Senor Booth? Quick, open up. Si, one moment. I have been waiting. Let me in. Close the door. Si. Now then, let's get this over quickly. I want to get back to town. Senor Booth has another little job for Pedro, huh? Keep your voice down, you fool. This place is about as private as a town hall. Look at that window and that lamp. Blow it out. Si, senor. There, it is out. Poof. We're in the dark. That's better. Pedro, I've got one more job for you. It's big, but I think it'll be the last. And the job? I suppose you know there's passenger service on the railroad from the east to Ogden now. So I have heard. You know that trestle over Big Pine Canyon? The trestle they completed just a month ago? I know it well. Pedro, you're going to fix that trestle so that when the passenger train crosses, it breaks through. No. I say yes. There will be lives lost. Not your life. But if I should be caught, senor. If you're caught, it'll be your own fault. Who's to see you around there? was never a white man in that country till the construction crew came through. But the trestle, that will not be easy to do. I didn't expect it would be. It will take several days. I planned on that. And the money, senor. For such work, I will have to have much money. How much? I've got money. A thousand dollars. Nonsense. Senor, I will not do it for less. It isn't worth half that. But when the train falls, I will be wanted for murder. No, senor. It is one thousand dollars or nothing. You money-grabbing breed. All right. If you have to have a thousand, you'll get a thousand. And you pay me when? In two days. It is as good as done. Bueno, senor. This will be Abbott's finish, Pedro. <laughs> that will be worth money to you, senor. Plenty. 
Dad said the minute I proved myself on this job, he'd turn over the money that was left to me by my grandfather. Say. With Abbott fired, I'll get his job. The trouble will stop. <laughs> and I'll get the credit. You are most clever. Smart enough to get what I go out there. That's all in, Pedro. I've got to be getting back. You start on that trestle at once. You'll get your money. Don't fear. I do not doubt your words, senor. And while I think of it, there's something else you'd better not doubt. What is that? That as sure as you talk, I'll slit your throat. No, no I do not talk. I am quiet like the grave. Yeah, if you're not, you'll be quiet in your grave. Goodbye now. I'll leave first. Give me several minutes start. Adios. One thousand dollars. <laughs> that is good. That is most good. You rich gringo will pay Pedro well. Not only once, but many times. It, it is you, Senor Booth? You, you have come back? Come, Tonto. Uh-huh. Who are you? I cannot see. I... Look closely, Pedro. Amigo. You wear the mask. Pedro, I followed Paul Booth and Tonto followed you. Our trails met here. I do not sabe. I do not Tonto. see. Tonto. Uh-huh. Pedro says he doesn't understand. I think it's up to us to see that he does. And if he has any objections, I think you know how to handle him. Uh, uh, uh. Tonto Savvy. No, no. Stay back, Amigo. Do not touch me. I am you not. No, no, please, I, I beg you. Quiet. Pedro, we know exactly how to deal with your kind. No, Senor. You're prepared to prove it. The masked man, after his visit to the cabin in the hills, sent Tonto eastward on a mysterious errand. Paul Booth kept his appointment with Pedro and paid him the thousand dollars he'd promised. We see him now, several days later, as he paces up and down the length of Bruce Abbott's office. In heaven's name, Paul, what are you grinning about? Nothing, Bruce. Nothing. I suppose not. You object to my feeling well, do you? Ah. <laughs> you might as well. You object to everything else I do. Quit that pacing the floor. You'd better do something for your nerves. See, you might try... You might try letting me get my work done. Which reminds me, these are reports you're supposed to be making out. Oh, never mind apologizing. Apologizing? Why, you know... By the way, while I think of it, get any report on that westbound train yet? The passenger? Yeah. It's on time. Oh. Why? Expecting someone? No, no. Just wondered. Look, Paul, how about helping out? There's more paperwork than I can handle. Dig in and make yourself useful. Oh, I don't feel... Yes? This just come in over the wires for you. I thought you'd like to have it right away, so I brought it over. Thanks. I'll take it. Telegram, Paul? You can see it is. Who from? It's from... Good Lord. Huh? Something wrong, Mr. Booth? My horse. Flares. Where's some flares? Now, what in tarnation got into him? Must have had something to do with that message. I don't know as how it could, Mr. Abbott. Want nothing but word from his paw. Yes? Good news it was, too. His paw said he was coming to Oregon today by that train from the east. I see. Flighty young fella, ain't he? Yep. Mighty flighty. Instead of acting pleased to see his Paul, he rushes out like it was the worst thing that happened. Paul rushed from the office, found several flares, then saddled his horse with trembling fingers. A minute later, he was racing eastward from town, following the railroads right away. Mile after mile sped by, while Paul's whip beat a savage tattoo on his horse's flank. He sat in the trestle over Big Pine Canyon at last, but at the same moment heard the thin whistle of the approaching passenger train bearing his father. We've got to make it! We've got to! Faster! 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 Paul reached the trestle where his mount would have refused to go further if he had not driven it on with whip and spur. The whistle sounded more clearly. Black smoke pouring from the engine could be seen against the moonlit sky. Beyond the trestle, Paul flung himself from the saddle. He seized a flare, lit it, and ran toward the onrushing train. Stop! Can't you hear me? Stop! Stop the train! You'll be killed! Killed, all of you! Stop, I tell you! The flare! Can't you see the flare? Stop before you're killed! 
Thank heaven. They heard me. Heard me. Hey, what's the trouble? What's he flag is down for? My father. He's on the train. Sure he is. Now, what of it? Now, look back there. Here comes them cool passengers. You stop us like this, like they got him scared to death. Hey, what's the trouble? Something wrong with the engine? Say the whole up, is it? Hey, where's the trouble? Dad. Hey, Dad. Oh, did you stop this train? The trestle. It isn't safe to cross. I... I just found out that the freighters must have weakened it on purpose. The freighters are not responsible if the trestle's been weakened. I'm asking. They are. I must be. Son, I was told you'd be here. I was told more than that. I was told you'd do your best to stop this train. Told? But how? I don't see. This Indian told me. Isn't that right? No, no, he couldn't have. Oh, you were trapped into showing your hand. We knew if you got word your father was coming on this train, you'd never let an accident happen if possible. But wait, listen. You can't listen. say you just learned about the trestle because your father was told about plan two days ago by Tuttle. He couldn't have known then. You'd just discover the damage to the trestle now. If you were innocent... He, he could. You might have fixed this up between you. That you might could... be true if we couldn't prove that the only word you got from anyone was a telegram from your father. Both the telegraph operator and Bruce Abbott can testify. No, to no, no. Moreover, there's Pedro's confession. Pedro's confession? And the money you paid him, which will make good evidence. Pedro was forced to tell your scheme. Dad, you don't believe it, do you? You don't think I do a thing like this? No, you can't. I, I wouldn't have believed it, Paul, if I hadn't seen what amounted to your confession with my own eyes. We could have proved your guilt before. It was your father who insisted on doing it this way. He wanted to see for himself. Me? Chuck I'm Mike Cavanaugh. The fellow that was supposed to be fighting with Bruce here till the mass fella come along and prove different. Bruce, you here too? We saddled and followed as soon as you'd left town. Mr. Booth. Yes, Bruce? Mike and I have been talking things over. There's no question but what the railroad is going to destroy the freighting business. But I think I have a solution. Well? The railroad can use his equipment and his men. If you're agreeable, we'll buy him out. Very well. I've never been in favor of bankrupting our competitors if a compromise could be reached. Thank you, Bruce. And you too, Mr. Booth. I know how you feel about your son, Mr. Booth. This may do him good, however. A few years in jail might change his viewpoint and make a man of him. A few years in jail? <laughs> after wrecking the trestle? After nearly killing everyone on the train? I'll be hung. The train wasn't wrecked, Paul. But the trestle... And the trestle was never damaged. The masked man saw to that. Pedro had already confessed his part in the scheme when he took your money. You can't be punished for a crime that was never committed. But, son, you have only the masked man to thank that you're not a murderer. Never forget that.
story you have just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Light, a cloud of dust and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. Tonto, the masked rider of the plane, fought crime and criminals throughout the early western United States. But he never condemned a man until he was certain of his guilt. The Lone Ranger was known as a champion of fair play, and he was always willing to give the man who deserved it a second chance. Return with us now to those thrilling days when the West was young. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver! Under ordinary circumstances, the arrival of the stage in New London would have attracted a large crowd. But today, when they had seen there were no passengers on board, the townspeople went on about their business. Young Steve Archer, the driver, set his face into grim lines and pretended not to notice as he drew the stage to a halt in front of the station. Whoa! Whoa there! Whoa there! Whoa! Whoa there! Whoa! 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 Have a good trip, Steve. Hey, Barney. Here, Ed. Drive around back, will you? I reckon... What's ailing you, Steve? How do you suppose? Yeah, get along there. Now, don't go letting it get under your skin, kid. I don't guess things are as bad as you're figuring. How would you like to make a whole trip without the guard riding on the same seat with just saying the word, lest he had to? Shuck, Steve, you know how it is. He never was sociable. It ain't only him. Where's the folks that used to come around just as soon as they seen the stage hit town? <laughs> Look at them. Steering clear of me like I was poisoned. Now, George. Look, Barney. I ain't saying I don't have it coming to me. Sure I have. I admit it. All I'm asking is, how would you like to be treated the same? I wouldn't like it. Of course I wouldn't. Well? But I sure wouldn't let folks savvy they was getting me riled. 
It's the pleasure of seeing a fella get mad that keeps folks pestering him. Oh, don't let on and they'll leave you alone. <laughs> That's easy to say. Steve, son, listen to me. Yeah? I ain't nothing but your pa by abduction. You was the son of my old partner, and when he got killed in a range war when you wasn't more than a couple of years old, I took on the job of bringing you up and breaking you to harness. You've done more for me, Barney, than I'll ever be able to pay back. I ain't asking you to be paying back. All I'm wanting to know is whether you think I ever give you bad advice. Well, of course you haven't. Then do like I say this time, won't you, son? You mark my words. It won't take long for folks to get tired of acting like they are. You wait and see. Yeah, maybe. And you wouldn't want Jean to think you ain't man enough to stand up to him, would you? She ought to hate me. <laughs> well, she don't. And I'm still hoping... Huh? Hoping what? That you and my girl will be getting hits like I always planned. That's just the one thing needed to make me the happiest hombre between here and Frisco. Barney, you're square. If I was you, I'd have fired me a long time ago. This is my stage line. You're working for me, and any firing I do will be for cause. You've had reason. I'll be the judge of that. Oh, uh, hello there, Ed. Got the horses unhitched? Unhitched in the stables, Mr. Evans. Better come around back with me and check over our load. Sure. Coming along, Steve? I'm going across the street. To the cafe? Uh-huh. Now, what do you want to go there for? To find the answer to something I've been thinking over. But... So uh, long, Barney. See you later. Steve, the answer to what? I'll tell you that when I've got it. Fellas, uh, had a mighty good trip today. Heard some news too down Washoe Way. I, well, can't nobody say nothing to me. What's the matter? You fellas deaf? Well, then don't talk. Barkey, give me a shot. This will pay for it. How's business been, Barkey? Any cowpunchers in town these days? Didn't you hear me? I ask you a question. What's that a laugh about? Barkeep, I said I ask you a question. Bless you. Take your liquor and go to blazes. You can all go to blazes. You lied, you whitey, and you, Zeke, every last one of you. You think I care whether you talk to me or not? You think I give a hoot what you fellas think? Go on, act like a bunch of wooden engines. Act like I wasn't fit to be living alongside you, you sneering polecat. I don't care, do you hear me? I don't care at all. I don't care at all. What was that news you picked up at Warshall, friend? I'd like to hear it. What's that? I said I'd like to hear your news. You're willing to talk to me? Why not? <laughs> That's a funny question. You're a stranger here, or you wouldn't have to ask it. <laughs> Shucks, ask any of these fine fellas here. They'll tell you why you shouldn't be wasting words with me. Sure, they'll tell you and be glad of the chance. I'm not interested in what they have to say. Then you better not... Sir? You're speaking to me? That's what I aim to do. Who are you? I'm the owner of this cafe. Maybe you better be put straight on something. Folks in this town don't talk to this yellow polecat, savvy? What does that to do with me? The point is, stranger, if you do too much talking with him, then maybe folks will get the idea you're his friend, see? And that wouldn't be, wouldn't be such a good thing for you. You're trying to tell me what to do? You can boil it down to that, I reckon. And understand this. I'll choose my own friend. Wait. Well? I savvy what you're doing. You're being friendly because these other folks ain't. You're decent. But maybe you'd better know the truth about me. Then there won't be no call for you. They can get bad just on my account. You don't have to say anything. Well, I will. I'm yellow, stranger. Just like Brad here says. I'm as yellow as a cur dog. Without no more backbone than a rattlesnake. I'm the kind of cow that lets out or hold up his stage without fighting back. I'm the kind of a dirty dog that lets his stage be robbed. So as the finest fellow in the world, the fellow that adopted him and gave him a home and a job, has to make up the loss out of his own pocket. You drive the stage? That's what I did up until today. But I ain't no more. I'm clearing out. 
I'm going so far nobody from around here will ever see me again. <laughs> and, stranger, while Steve's making tracks, I'll be getting hitched to Barney Evans' daughter. Gene will be getting a man for a husband, not a rabbit scared of his own shadow. You turn him try nothing. I can't never marry Gene. But, Brad, if I ever hear you bothering her, I'll come back from wherever I am and whip you to within an inch of your life. <laughs> Strong talk from a yellow. I'll tell you. start making tracks now. Look here. Now, I said... Get moving before I start helping you on your way. Keep your gun in your holster. You. This man isn't armed. Uh, he ain't armed because he's scared to put up a fight. Quit carrying his shooting iron just to stay out of trouble. It's nothing but a trick, and I'll show him You'll show him nothing. Steve, leave it your face. I don't want to. Leave it before there's trouble. That's it. What call have you got to come button in here? Hey, Lightning. I ain't asking nobody to fight for me, stranger. There won't be a fight. We're leaving together. After that, you can do what you wish. Come on. All right, stranger. Mister, if you're smart, you'll leave town with Steve, too. That stunt draw of yours won't save your hide the next time we meet. Steve Archer did not know that the stranger who had come to his aid in the cafe was a famous lone ranger in disguise. When they reached the street, he parted from his newly found friend, hurried to the home he shared with Barney Evans and Barney's daughter, Jean, and began to pack. He rolled his few personal possessions into a blanket, tied them securely, then tried to leave the house without being seen. As he crossed the porch, however, Jean hailed him with... Steve. Oh. Oh, howdy, Jean. Steve, that bedroll. Where you going? Uh, no place. You're leaving. No, that is, I... Steve, uh... Jean, fool me. I know you're leaving. I hurried home as fast as I could to stop you. You, you hurried home, Jean? But how'd you know? I... Brad told me. Brad? He told me and, and laughed about it. Well, I... I better be going, honey. No, Steve, you can't. That's where you're mistaken, Jean. It's all I can do. I found that out just now. I... I don't understand you, Steve. No? What is it? What's got into you? What's happened to change you so? Steve, can't you tell me? Ain't nothing to tell that I know of. You weren't like this a month ago. I don't know that I've changed any. Oh, but you have. You, why, a month ago, Steve, you'd no more have thought of running away from trouble than, than you would have thought of turning crooked. Steve, you are changed. You let people insult you. Men like bread and, and do nothing. You won't even carry a gun. Reckon you're just beginning to see me like I always was, Jean. No, no. Now if you let me by. You... You'd go without saying anything to Father? Well, I planned on saying goodbye. Explain them how things stand. But this is the best way to do it, I guess. Barney'd just argue. It'd just make it worse for both of us. I'm going. That's final, honey. There's there's no use talking about it. Please. Goodbye, Jean. Don't, please, don't. Steady there, boy. Nothing to get nervous about. Just a bedroll. Steve, just wait till Barney gets home. I'm sorry. Get up, boy. Get up. Come back, Steve. Come back. Get up. Get along there. Mass. I've been waiting for you. For me? We're going where we can talk. Follow, Silver. But I... You have no choice. You're coming whether you want to or not. Come on, old fellow. I am Silver. Away! The Lone Ranger led the way from town, leaving the trail and guiding Silver toward a wood not far distant. There he drew his great white horse to a rearing halt while Steve followed his example. Oh, Silver. Oh, what? Oh, oh. Now, what? Get out of the saddle. I have some things to say. Your voice. Seems as if I've heard it somewhere before. I've got it. You bet I've got it. You're the crook that's been holding up my stage. You look like me. You must be him. You both wear the same kind of a mask. Our horses were alike? Well, you, you might have more than one horse. And was the stage robber my build? Oh, I'd have said he, he was a mite shorter. But that don't mean I couldn't have been mistaken. I'm not the stage robber. You can believe me or not, it doesn't matter. Why'd you say you under talk to me? Steve, I've been in this district for almost a month. I've been here ever since I heard that the sheriff had been murdered. What, what do you know about that? More than the people in town know. But I... I came here with a friend to learn two things. Who murdered the sheriff? Who'd been robbing the stage? 
You did? We discovered several interesting facts. Ah. One of them concerns you. It's a strange thing, Steve, that you haven't carried a gun since the night the sheriff died. I... You, you can't say that for a fact. I you... can say it for a fact. We checked on it. What's more, Steve, until that evening, until you took the stage out on your run that day, you were the kind of man who stood up to trouble. When you came back the following day, you changed completely. You discarded your gun. You dodged every kind of violence. Three times your stage was held up and you did nothing. Well, a driver ain't supposed to fight off crooks. That's the guard's job. Perhaps. The fact remains, however, that up until the time the sheriff was killed, you would have fought whether it was your duty or not. What are you getting at? The same night the sheriff was murdered, you were riding the stage alone. Well, Ed wasn't feeling good. We couldn't find nobody to take his place. I know. I'd like to know what you're up to. I told you two things brought us here. The robberies and the murder. Right now, something else interests me even more. Yeah? I'm interested in making a man out of a coward. But... I'd like to know just what it would take to make you the man you were before these last few weeks. If... If that's all you got to say to me, you might just as well let me ride on. You're wasting your time. Doesn't the opinion of your foster father matter to you? You're wasting your time, I tell you. Nor Jean's opinion? I don't want to hear about it. And I have just one more question to ask you. Ask it now. Get on my way. You're not a thief. Whoever said I was. You had no reason to hate or fear the sheriff. Uh, what? So, Steve, when you met the sheriff on the trail, why did you kill him? <laughs> The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Now to continue our story. The Lone Ranger met Steve Archer after he had left his foster father's home and accused the young man of having shot the sheriff. Later, the masked man rode alone into the hidden camp he shared with his faithful Indian companion, Tonto. Oh, Silver. Oh, fella. Oh, boy. You take off disguise. <laughs> I wore the disguise in town, Kimosabe. I used my mask later, though. Oh. I've been talking to young Steve Archer. Um, what him say? We've been on the wrong trail, Tonto. The talk I had with him explained a number of puzzling things. We know that Brad Newman, the owner of the cafe in town, is a road agent who's been robbing the state. Uh, we find where him hide loot. We've got all the evidence against him we'll ever need for a conviction. Uh, when we examined the trail where the sheriff was killed, however, we found signs showing that the stage had stopped at that point. Not right. And yet Steve had never reported the fact in town. Didn't seem possible that he'd hide it, unless there was some connection between him and Brad. What else you find out? Now, though, the night Steve drove the stage down that trail, he was alone and nervous. He'd been warned to watch out for a masked thief. Uh, he heard a shout to pull up. He looked, saw a man standing beside the trail wearing a mask. He reached for his gun and shot. Brand feller wear mask? No. The man fell. Steve reined up. When he climbed down to see who the hold-up man was, he discovered he'd killed the sheriff. Then sheriff wear mask. That's just it. By the time the stage had halted and Steve had walked back, the mask was gone. Oh, that heap strange. Steve knew the sheriff was honest. He couldn't have been the stage robber. Later he remembered that it hadn't been the sheriff's voice he'd heard command him to stop. Oh. He was frightened at what he'd done and panic-stricken. Otherwise, he'd have investigated further. He didn't dare report the killing because there was no way he could explain how it had happened. Not 
Plenty bad. I think I know how it happened. How that? The sheriff must have been on Brad's trail. Somehow Brad found out. He captured the sheriff, put a mask on him, and made him stand at the side of the trail. Maybe you're right. I'm sure of it. Brad must have shouted to the stage from behind cover. He knew Steve would see only the sheriff. And you, Steve, would shoot. Then Brad, him real killer. It amounts to that. Steve fired the shot, but Brad was responsible. Ah, that's where we made a mistake. We've been trying to find out the connection between Brad and Steve before we acted. And all the time, there was none. Ah, uh, well, what do? Tato, that accidental shooting is what has changed Steve. Some men can kill, and it doesn't bother them. Others hate taking life. Steve is like that. When he found he killed a man, he quit wearing his guns. He lost his nerve completely. Stage was robbed several times afterwards, but Steve couldn't shoot. Because every time he thought of shooting, he saw the face of the man he'd killed. It, not him, Paul. Yet some way has to be found to rouse him, to stir him to action. If we can do that, I think he'll be the same man he always was. You got plan? He must have a man who won't defend himself can sometimes be forced to fight for other reasons. Isn't that right? Steve hates Brad Newman and loves Gene Evans. And those two facts are going to make him realize that an accidental killing... Can't make a man a coward and keep him one. Steve, after his talk with the Lone Ranger, rode slowly toward the west. The masked man returned to town after night had fallen and talked with both Barney Evans and his daughter, Jean. Then Jean mounted and rode with the masked man to the other side of town. There's no light in the back of the cafe. There seldom is during the evening. Don and I have watched the cafe closely for the past three weeks. Oh. We've kept track of all of Brad's actions. He stays downstairs at the bar until time to lock up. There isn't a chance in the hundred that he'll go upstairs until he's ready to go to bed. I, I'm praying he won't. He'll be safe in any case. I'll remain on hand to see that you come to no harm. I'm not afraid. Brad will go to jail no matter what happens. But if he should go upstairs too early, it'd spoil our plans. We can't let that happen. We can't. We'll not worry about it. Our only present danger is the guard Brad keeps stationed upstairs. You think you can handle it? He won't be looking for anyone to come up the rear stairs. They're seldom used. I, I don't think we'd better ride much closer. Head for that barn. We'll leave our horses in those shadows. Yes. This'll do. Oh, oh, Silver. Oh, who is it? Come. It's so dark. Follow me quietly. The stairs. Okay. Don't be noisy. Climb as carefully as you can. There's a porch above and a door opening on it. If it's locked. The lock's broken. Don't talk. There's a broken board on the porch here. Careful. I, I see a light inside. It's in front, down the hall. The guard's there. The door. It's not locked? No. I'm going to open it now. Stand back until I tell you to follow. If the guard sees me too soon, there may be shooting. Oh, please be careful. Now. What's that? Anybody there? Who's there? Lane building. All is creeping. Better make sure there's nobody prowling around. If I don't, that'll be sure to... What? You're covered. Make a noise and I'll fire. Don't, Gene. Come in here and hurry. At the same moment that the masked man and Gene Evans made their entrance into the second floor of the cafe, Steve was sitting close to a small campfire. He stared long and bitterly into the dancing flames until his thoughts were interrupted by the sound of a swiftly approaching horse. Now, who can that be? Don't reckon Barney would have followed to bring it back. Oh, Scout! Oh! Oh! Well, I'll be doggone. A redskin. Howdy, Engine. Huh? You. 
You feller named Steve Archer? Sure. Show that to me. Why? Here, paper. You take and read. Huh? What do you got there? You, you read. A note. Injun, where'd you get this? Tonto in town. Here, call. Talk fast, blasted. Tonto, look up. See window open. Girl, look out. Jean. We drop paper. Tell Tonto, find you. Brad, the rotten crooked sidewinder. What matter? It ain't the time to tell you. Come on, fellow, we're riding to town. We ride too. Then you'll have to travel. Get up there, boy. Get him up, up Scout. <laughs> It was nearly two hours later when Barney Evans entered the cafe. His face was drawn into a worried frown. His eyes sought out Brad Newman standing in conversation with a group of men at the bar. He strode toward the cafe owner with resolute steps. Brad? Huh? Oh, howdy, Barney. Barney, you look like something's upset you. It has. Brad, where's my daughter? Where's your... Hey, what are you asking me for? Because I aims to find her. Well, I ain't seen her. I think you have. Say, you loco? No blame well I don't allow women folks in my cafe. She said she was coming here. She said she wanted to talk to you. I said I ain't seen her. Now, hold on, Barney. I got reason to think she's found out something about Brad here that he wouldn't care to have known. And that being the case, I wouldn't put it past Brad to do something to keep her from talking. That ain't so. No? What could she know about me that I'd give a hoot about? She didn't tell me that. And don't be saying things you can't back up. If you're looking for your girl, you can look someplace else. I have Please, come back to town. Didn't think the yellow skunk would have the nerve. Who's the engine with him? Me. Oh, wait. I got business with Brad. But what? I you... thought I told you to stay out of my cafe. You rotten skunk. Stand back. You got Gene locked in upstairs. You're holding a prisoner. That's all I. I'll show you. You, me, watch out. You ain't on. He'll kill you. No, he won't. Black, you're rescuing yourself. Me. You don't shoot him. Blazes with your gun. I'll fix you. Who's that Steve was shot? It's him. Brad's gun. Here's the Come on, Brad. Come on, now, get out of your feet. No, no, there. Get up. Come on, I'll give it to you. You, you kill him. He's got it coming. The kidnapped team. He's got a lock in upstairs. Didn't go after it. Come on. This skunk is coming with us. Get on your feet. She ain't here. She ain't here. Up the stairs. Hey, what's this all about? I'm going to trail along and find out. We're headed for Brad's office upstairs. Well, that way, keep the chair. Where's the fellow you always has on guard up here? Get hold of Gene. Are you there, Gene? You'll get loose, honey. Cat. She wasn't here, huh? She can't be. I don't know anything about it, I tell you. Unlock that door. I'm getting it. Steve, Are you all right, honey? I'm all right now. Oh, take care of Brad, Steve. Brad, open your safe. I won't. You can't. Open it. He's afraid. That's where he's hidden the things he's stolen from the safe. You'll open that safe, Brad, or I'll give you another beating. Well, ask you. Well, that's why Brad locked the girl in. He was robbing the stage and she knew it. But, Steve, how'd you know for sure that Jean was here? She got a note to the engine, and he brought it to me. Ain't that right, honey? Yes. Funny if she could get a note out of here that she couldn't have hollered loud enough to bring help. It, it was Steve's place to find me, not anyone else. It had to be him. Now look inside the safe. Uh, there's evidence of Tim Watson. And he didn't get all that cash from the cafe. All right. You got me. It was me who robbed the stage. And I never had nothing to do with the girl being here. I swear I didn't. Uh, I know that's too thin. You can explain about that when you go to court. Wait, I'm telling you the truth. Boy, I tell you... Steve, I'd like to know one thing. Yeah? Will you stay in New London? Or do you still plan to leave? He's staying, mister. If folks don't think I'm still yelling. <laughs> After the way you lit into Brad and him with guns in his hands, not on your life. If that's being yellow, then that's the color for me. Showed him he still had courage. He needed only something to awaken him. He'd fight for you where he wouldn't fight for himself. 
When they took Brad to jail, he confessed that he forced the sheriff to stand out on the trail the night Steve shot him. Look at Steve and Father inside. They're both so happy. Ready to go, Tonto? Me? Ready. Wait. That guard, the one Brad had upstairs, what happened to him? Will he say anything? Don't worry about him. He's riding away from town as fast as he can. We couldn't prove he knew his employer was a stage robber, but it was easy to convince him he should leave this district for the good of his health. These people will ask me questions. How I got upstairs, how Brad took me prisoner. Make any answer you believe right. Remember this, however. Yes. Brad got only what was coming to him. He'd have been arrested in any case. Tato and I had learned the stolen goods and money were any safe. The report to the law would have sent him to jail. I know. And Steve's awakening has justified the means we took. Come, Tato. just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. 
forth with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. unscrupulous men with a power of wealth behind them who tried to exploit the new territory and rob the honest settlers. The masked rider of the plains fought their hired gunmen and exposed their schemes. It was he, more than any other man, who preserved the true American democracy of the frontier. Return with us now those thrilling days when the West was young and adventure lay at the end of every trail. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver! We're heading south for the Rio Grande! Gentlemen, you've uh, heard from uh, this fellow, uh, what's his name, Link Fisher, Merrick? I have. He replied by Pony Express. I have his message here. And his message? His report is most encouraging. <laughs> most encouraging. Friendly Rogers Logan, I believe we stand well in the way to double our fortune. Good. Good. Is the Link Fisher to be trusted? As long as we make it worth his while. Oh, he's to be trusted. He'll not get half what we'll pay him from anyone else. I've heard some ugly things about the man. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I know he's the man for us. Well, uh, what does he say? Has he found anyone to act for us south of the border? He has. Now, let me see. He writes, uh, yes, a man by the name of Fernando Perez. Perez? A half-breed. Quite a fellow from what Fisher writes. He makes his headquarters in the mountains beyond the Rio Grande. I see. Calls himself a liberator. Calls himself that. Others uh, call him less polite things. Oh. An outlaw, I suppose. An accomplished one. Fisher writes that Perez has gathered quite a band of half-breeds, peons and crooks north of the border. So far, he's stood off the troops of two governments. I think with the money and arms uh, supplied by us, he'll have the strength to seize uh, most of the southern basin of the Rio Grande. And uh, in exchange for money and arms? We get the concessions we want. Hmm. Some of the finest grazing lands on the continent. The right to develop what mines we wish. And the promise... 
not to interfere with the transportation of gold and cattle north of the border. But what happens to our investment if Mexico City sends enough troops to drive Perez out? We'll make every effort to see that that doesn't happen. And if by chance uh, those efforts fail, uh, yes. then I think we can still make out a good case in our favor. We can claim that we entered into negotiations with Perez in good faith, that we believed his government stable. Nothing need be known of the assistance we gave him. <laughs> now, gentlemen, uh, I'm convinced we have nothing to fear, unless, of course, uh, unless uh, we're to be frightened by a masked man. Yes, What's that? Good. You say a masked man, Merrick? What nonsense is that? Yes, I thought that would amuse you. Link Fisher writes that he believes some fellow out there they call the uh, Lone Ranger suspects. What's up? Well, who does he represent? No one but himself, as I understand it. You mean this Link Fisher really believes that one man, a masked man, could make us trouble? Oh, well, that is amusing. <laughs> Fisher must be nervous. Well, are we all agreed to go through with this? One of us should go down there, don't you think, Merrick? I'd like to know more about Perez. I'm going myself. Oh, yes? And so I'll leave before the end of the week. I intend to talk to Perez personally. And I want to see what difficulties there will be in getting the arms across the border. Well, if you're going, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I don't envy you the trip. Oh, it won't be so bad. I'll take the cars to Kansas City, stagecoach to El Paso. I'll meet Fisher not far from there. And at the first opportunity, he and I will slip across the border and into... You don't take your riding horseback so good, do you, Mr. Merrick? Saddles no worse than some of the stages on the way out here. <laughs> I reckon not. <laughs> Much further have we to go? Jerick, we ain't no more than cross the Rio. You've got to get to them foothills up ahead before we meet up with Perez. Foothills? Well, it's a mighty dark to see good, Mr. Merrick. But you just look on ahead. When you see something that's blacker than the rest of what you can see, then you're looking at the hills. Perez is expecting us, Link? Yep. Told him we'd cross the border tonight. You'll be waiting for us, all right. By the way... That masked man you mentioned, the Lone Ranger. What on earth made you worry about him? If you was acquainted in the West, there's something you wouldn't have to ask. But you wrote as though he were quite alone. Uh-huh. He is, except for a redskin. <laughs> then I don't see you. No need for interrupting, Mr. Merrick, but it's a fact you don't see. You can take my word for it. I'd rather have a whole regiment of soldiers after me than that, Omri. He's plain poison. And when he takes a hand in the game, you can bet the fur's going to fly. Yes, sir, he... I represent millions in money. You have a dozen good men, and from what you told me, Perez has a band of at least 300. That masked man couldn't possibly spoil our plans. Didn't say he could. He's likely to pester us some. How do you know he got wind of our plans? One of my boys seen his injured pa talking with the breed from Perez's gang. Lem had a hunch the engine was pumping the breed. Was the breed questioned afterwards? Sure, Lem never got close enough to be sure which one he was. <laughs> right word, if you ain't. The only real ticklish job we got is getting them arms across the Rio. After that, it should be clear sailing. How many government troops are on this side of the border? Just the company. Captain Gonzalez commanding. They ain't nowhere near here. Fact is, they don't even know where Perez is hiding out. If they did, it wouldn't do them no good. They ain't half armed. Yeah, I see. And besides, what was that? A horse. Sure shooting. Pull that. Oh, 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 oh. Listen, see if you can hear it again. No. Uh, maybe it wasn't nothing. Come on, get up there. 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 Get Stand where you are and keep your hands raised. If you move, Tato will fire. What are you aiming to do? I'm searching Merrick. I'm not carrying money. And I'm not interested in your money. What are these? Oh, the letters. They can't do you any good. We'll see. 
I think I'll keep them. This is robbery. Merrick, you're up to something, and I'm going to find out what it is. You, I you suspect can... certain things. I'm going to make sure my suspicions are correct. They are, I like. Ain't you acting kind of high-handed? Think I know you and your reputation. Merrick here represents interests that are among the most powerful in the country. Yeah? Well, what of it? I believe Merrick is behind some plan which, if successful, will threaten the good relations existing between the states and Mexico. He and his kind are responsible for the suspicion which the people on this side of the border hold us. You and your kind, Link, will play any scheming crooked game. The stakes are worth your while. You don't know a thing. You're guessing. I had to make guesses up to this point, Merrick. But with these letters to identify me as you, I won't have to guess much longer. Hey, are you crazy enough to go to Paris camp and palm yourself off for Merrick here? Perhaps. You'll never get away with it. It's worth trying. What are you going to do with us? There's a Pueblo village a few miles from here. You can start walking. You're keeping the horses? We are. No, wait, please. Go on your way before I change my mind. Right? I, come on, Mr. Merrick. Ain't no use arguing with these hombres. I told you what the masked fellow was like. What, Miles? It's not too far. Uh, come on. You'll pay for this. I won't forget. You'll pay. Come on to save your breath for walking. Why, you let him go. I have a reason, Kimasabi. You go to outlaw camp? Yes, in disguise. But then get horse from village, ride past to outlaw, tell outlaw you, masked fellow. Exactly. Tata, we're going to try an old trick. And what that? If they hurry, Merrick and Link will reach that village in an hour. They'll buy or borrow horses and get to Perez just as fast as they can. Uh-huh. I'm going to pose as Merrick and be with Perez when they arrive. I'll give them the chance to expose me. Mm, you're not savvy. I'll be in no real danger because I'll be expecting them. As soon as they arrive, I'll make my escape. Mm, then what do? They'll see me leave and feel free to talk over their plans. They won't know that you're close by. Uh, that's a good idea. There are only a few men with Perez now. Most of them are farther back in the hills. Uh, that's right. Perez is in that cabin at the mouth of Spruce Canyon. If he keeps guard in his usual manner, you shouldn't have any trouble approaching. I'm trying to do that. And if anything does go wrong, if they do get the drop on me, you'll be there to help. Here's the scout. Later, if I get free, I want to talk to Captain Gonzalez. If he's told where that gang's hiding, he may be able to defeat Perez once and for all. Huh? Get him up, scout. Canyon, the Lone Ranger halted again and with Tonto's aid assumed a disguise. Then when the Indian's keen ears heard the far-off sound of approaching hoofs, the Lone Ranger rode boldly into the outlaw's camp. Who, oh, fellow? Who, oh, boy? Who? Oh. Who comes? Take me to your leader. Who is there? A gringo, Excellency. If I know Perez. See. Si. And you, senor. I'll step inside. I think you can guess my business. It'll be better if we have privacy. You are senor Merrick? These letters should identify me. It is so. But Senor Fisher, where is he? Why does he not come? He met with some trouble. He'll be long very soon, however. Trouble? Then why... I haven't much time. Let's get down to terms. Here. Sit down, Perez. You are very sudden, Senor. You are in a big hurry, no? You can understand why. Of a certainty. I don't believe in preliminaries. You know what I want, and I know what you want. The only thing that remains to be settled is the exact terms and the manner of carrying them out. You put it well. I'll hear what you have to say first, Perez. If I don't like it, I'll tell you. Senor, from the north, perhaps you do not understand me. I am Fernando Perez, a great liberator. My heart, she bleed for my poor countrymen. You needn't pretend for my benefit. I'm still waiting to hear your terms. I will need money, much money. You comprehend how these things are? I understand. How much money? One hundred thousand dollars. That's a large figure. But think, senor, in one year, in one year only, you will make twice one hundred thousand dollars from the ground in gold alone. Very well. And what more? I need arms, senor. Arms for a thousand men. You haven't a thousand men. I doubt that you've got three hundred. That is so. 
But with money and arms, I will soon have plenty more. Outlaws like yourself. Senor! I do not like the way you speak. I said once we needn't pretend. I know you're nothing but an outlaw, no matter what you call yourself, and you know it. We'll leave it like that. What is that? Link, probably. Step over here, Perez. Wait in the window. There's something to show you. I don't want your men to see it. You show me something? This. You Make go. a move and I'll show you. You're the man. I'm the man you met wearing a mask. Inside, Merrick. You imposter. You call him Senor Merrick? He is Merrick. I never claimed to be, did I? Caramba, what is this? Stand where you are. I found out what I wanted and I'm leaving. Don't try to stop me. Perez. What did you told that fella? He's outside. After him. After him. Catch him. A hundred, five hundred people. The Andre to catch him. Tell your majesty where they are. Ain't got no more chance of catching that fella than you have a dodge in the rope. But if he is not Senor Merrick, then he's a spy. <laughs> That's just half of it. So? Then, Andre, he's the lone ranger. You and all your men can chase after him from now when Merrick here turns on us. And then you won't catch him. Because a horse that can outrun that white standing of his just ain't been born. <laughs> The curtain falls on the first act of our thrilling Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, uh huh? It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Now to continue our story. When the Lone Ranger left the half-breed's camp, he rode across the hills into the valley and over the level plain toward the distant garrison of dragoons commanded by Captain Gonzalez. The sun had risen and the garrison was astir before he reached his destination. At the sight of the powerful white horse beating toward the small cluster of buildings, a company of men shouted a greeting. When the startled soldiers saw that the Lone Ranger was masked and were about to fire at him, Captain Gonzalez raised his hand in a sharp warning gesture. Then he called out to the approaching horsemen. It is the mark, comrade. My friend, you are welcome. <laughs> what brings you here? You remember me, Captain? Always I will remember, Senor, with the mask. You have been a friend to me and to my country. I bring you news. See? News of Fernando Perez. Perez, pig. He's a blood on Mexico. Captain, I can take you to him. His men are on the hills to the east. You can take me there, senor? Bueno. Oh, but no, it is no use. No use? 
You see me a captain of dragoons, my friend, and without arms. No, senor, it cannot be. What use are my brave hombres if they have not the guns with which to fight? Why haven't they? I have been sent arms, but they are mucho malo. They are no good. Old guns, senor. Guns that will not shoot. More grafting army contractors, huh? See, si. I have other news. And that? I don't take pride in telling you, Captain Gonzalez. Does my countrymen no honor, but you will have to know. See, si. There are certain American men with a great deal of money who realize that a decisive stroke now might force you and your men out of this district. They're willing to pay to see that stroke delivered. I have heard rumors. I have more than rumors to go on. I have the facts. How do you find this out? A friend of Toto's, one of your countrymen, who Perez is forced to join his gang, was able to warn us that Perez expected visitors from the north last night. That gave me a chance to find out definitely that those Americans are going to give Perez help, both with money and arms. And Tonto, where is he? He remained behind to learn their plans if possible. He'll meet me here. That is well. You and I, my friend, we shall have the chance to talk. And perhaps, Captain, when Tonto arrives, we'll have the chance to act. It was several hours later that Tonto arrived to join the masked man and Captain Gonzalez. The news he brought was all that the Lone Ranger needed to put his plan into action. Captain, I think your problem is solved. Huh? Tonto has told us that Link Fisher and his men will have the arms ready for smuggling across the border in about two weeks. Then what will we do, senor? I cannot get the arms for my men in two weeks. But you can. Eh? The arms Link will bring into the country. We'll take them. But how, senor? We do not know how they will be sent. We do not know what trail they will take, what night they will choose. Tonto and I will take care of that. But Tonto, he said Perez is sending an escort to guard the arms. How can my men attack? Tonto also said that Perez would send a messenger to Lincoln Merrick with a map Telling what route the wagons with arms should follow to cross the Rio Grande. See, but I... Here, Silver. Call Scout Kimotabe. We're riding. Here, Scout. Do you have this plan? Just the beginnings of one, Captain. Then what is this plan? Just an idea. I'll have to know more before I can work it out. Ready, Tonto? Huh? Tonto, ready. We're returning to the hills, Captain, but you'll hear from us. Come on, Captain. Come on, The days passed slowly. Captain Gonzalez, knowing the fate of the territory entrusted to his protection hung in the balance, was impatient for word from the masked man. Fernando Perez, preparing to strike at the earliest moment, assembled his ragged forces in the hills. North of the border, Merrick and Link Fisher busied themselves with their conspiracy. On an evening two weeks later, they were seated at a table in the cafe at High Mesa, a small town west of El Paso. And... Everything is ready, Link. Close to it, Mr. Merrick. Roof was to pick up them last cases of guns today. Did you get them? Most likely. He'll be here before long to report. If anything had gone wrong, we'd have heard from him before this. Uh, here he comes now. Howdy, Mr. Merrick. Howdy, Link. Sit down. Sure. Get them guns. Give the word and we'll start. Perezman was to reach here early this evening. Why doesn't he come? Oh, well, don't get mad. I've seen three come up the road on horseback just as I was coming in. Maybe that was him. Then where is he? If it's the one you're looking for, he's likely just about hitching his horse to the wreck. Hey, who's that? Pedro. That's the fellow, Mr. Merrick. Good. Hi there, Pedro. Over here. Uh, good evening, senor. Evening. Have a chair and rest your bones. Ah, uh, gracias. There is. Give you something to bring us, Pedro. Here. Here's this. Come on. Here. Let's see. Ah. Uh, this won't be hard to follow. We'll head for Vermilion Creek. Run alongside it till it enters the Rio and cross just above. I recollect that crossing is a good one. Then we'd better... Oh, it's funny. Oh, it's funny, Pedro. It's most funny, Pedro. I laugh because tonight I meet the man with mask. Say, fine, naughty. What's that? The masked man. What happened? If he's seen this man... No, he's not seen it. This is what is funny. He stopped me, hold a gun on me, search me. Oh, he searched most well. He searched from head to foot to steal if I'm nothing. Yes? 
Well, only time he searched me, the map she's saving my saddlebag. I dare he's not look. Where was that engine he traveled with? Uh, the rescue, I do not see, amigo. That was a close one. And he's still taking a hand in this game. I say we should get those arms across the border before he does discover something. Wait, now. Oh. I'm with you on that. Come on, fellas. We can be across before daylight if we get a hustle on. President, have an escort waiting for us. See, senor. You need have no fear to soldier. Good. Into your saddles, friends. Tonight we do things. Merrick and his companions made their way from town and raced to the isolated arroyo where the arms and wagons were concealed. Orders were shouted. The wagons hitched up. The secret journey to the real Grandy begun. Head the horses for Vermilion Creek. Come on, get started. <laughs> Vermilion Creek was found and followed southward. A bright moon lit the way for the caravan. It revealed the level valley for miles, but there was no sign of United States troopers. At last they reached the Rio Grande, and as the last wagon struggled up the farther bank, a band of shabbily dressed horsemen appeared from beyond the rise. They shouted the greetings from the distance, and Link replied with, Howdy, friends! We got here all right. We brought your guns and ammunition aplenty. It's the escort from Perez, fellas. <laughs> Now to reach the hills, pass out these guns and watch the lid blow off. <laughs> in the meantime, Perez waited in the cabin that served him as headquarters for the escort he had dispatched to return to the wagons. Hour after hour passed. He had expected their arrival shortly after dawn. But the sun rose, climbed the eastern sky, and was almost midway in the heavens when the sound of hoofs sent him eagerly to the door. Diablo, the arms, all of the wagons, all of the all of the wagons not here. Oh, 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 my general, the wagons do not come. Impossible. But it is so, I swear it. We wait while we are told. I send men to ride this way, that way, to hunt them out, but they are not to be found. You be fool, you have made a mistake. You know something has gone wrong. Ah. What will we do? You! When I find the hombre who is responsible for this, I will kill him. Now, Christy, the dragoons. They dare not attack us. They have no arms. Look, they come. Diablo, fire. Leave here. Fight, fight. Are we are done. Ranger led the fierce charge upon the stronghold of the outlaws. Behind him came Tonto, and behind Tonto, leading his shouting, exultant men, came Captain Gonzalez. The battle was soon joined. Perez, desperate, terrified, unable to understand what had happened, frantically urged his forces to resistance. For the better part of an hour, the fighting raged between soldiers and outlaws. And wherever the needs of the greatest, there was a masked man. Captain Kilmer! This way, Tonto! Captain! Captain! The outlaws, though outnumbering the soldiers, soon lost all spirit for the fight. At first singly, then in increasing numbers, they threw down their arms and begged to be spared. At last, even Perez, though he knew death before a firing squad awaited his capture, conceded defeat. He dropped his gun, raised his hands high above his head, and stumbled toward Captain Gonzalez. I give up. Mercy, Captain. Mercy. I give up. Mercy. Mercy, please. Mercy. The 
battle won, Captain Gonzalez gathered the leaders of the conspiracy in the cabin that had belonged to Fernando Perez. There, the masked man pointed toward the cringing figure of Merrick. Captain, this is the man behind the whole thing. It was his money that financed these outlaws, his partners in the East. Your government acts through Washington. They'll get the punishment they deserve. That will be done, my friend. Well, I should, I still don't say with this. How'd you get on to where we planned to cross the river with the wagons? Pedro said you'd never seen the map he brought us. You couldn't just get it. I didn't see the map. Then how did you... did. I kept Pedro's attention while I searched him. Tano went through the saddlebags. He found the map, made a few changes, then replaced it. <laughs> we fooled Pedro good. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you never had a chance. We knew you had the arms and wagons concealed in that arroyo, waiting for word from Perez. I don't believe it. You knew so much, why did you let us start out at all? Why didn't you just report to the American soldiers? For a very good reason. They would have confiscated the arms and the plot would have been spoiled. Perez, however, would still have been at large. This way we capture you, the arms, Perez, and finish it all up at once. Yeah, I should have known better than to take a job that send me up again to mass, man. Merrick, I told you what was likely to happen. Uh, how was I to know? And that trick of the mask fans and having the soldiers dressed up like they were from Perez and beating us at the border like they was the escort we was looking for. That's the trick that's done for us. Well, by thunder, the next time... Well, I... Senor Fisher, there will be no next time. You will get what you deserve. And look, there is the man who had saved this valley for my country. copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high yo silver. 
The Lone Ranger. gathered around the campfire in the early days of the western United States, stories were told of the masked rider of the plains. Astride his great horse Silver, he rode through the length and breadth of the new territory in the cause of justice. No one could match his strength and courage. Nothing could discourage him, and he finally brought law and order to the lawless frontier. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear, when adventure lay at the end of every trail. The Lone Ranger rides again! Come on, Silver! We're heading for Arcade! The legislature was about to choose a permanent state capital. Arcade, the site of the temporary capital, hoped to retain the honor, but unexpectedly vigorous opposition developed from the supporters of Dundee. When the legislature convened at Arcade, the conflict between the two groups intensified. Mass meetings were held. Arguments ripened into quarrels. Pressure open and concealed was exerted. And at the time our story opened, Arcade supporters were bidding for attention for the parade down the main street. A parade that featured a band and banners, the former more spirited than expert. Look out here, Mr. Blake. That's your whooping up. Forget it. Suppose I went to Max and sit down here. Uh-huh. Oh, gosh, I sure like band music. Why didn't you never think of hiring a band that makes some pretty noises for Dundee, Mr. Blake? I didn't ask you and Rip to the hotel to advise me what to do. What did you want, boss? Rip, you and Max are going to see that the legislature votes in favor of Dundee. Huh? How can we do anything? I've had the legislators canvassed. The vote on the Capitol will be taken sometime next week. And I happen to know that the vote will be almost evenly divided. <laughs> you ought to know, Mr. Blake. You bought and paid for enough of them votes. That's my business. Oh, sure. How close do you figure it's going to be? Just close enough so that the decision will depend on three men. Yeah? Harry Palmer, Carl Hutton, and Fred Ulrich haven't decided between Arcade and Dundee yet. The others have. If we can get those three doubtful votes, we'll win. Well, why don't you go and buy them like you've done the others? They can't be bought. You want us to throw a scare in them? And they can't be frightened. You might as well understand that now. 
Fentleman, we lose any chance we've got. Cattleman, huh? Palmer and Ulrich are. Hutton's a banker. You got some scheme in mind? I have. I've got too much at stake in this not to make every effort to win. Move the capital to Dundee and I'll make a fortune. The railroad will build there. My town property will double in value. And, well, uh, where the legislature is, there's always a way to make money for the right men. Yeah. <laughs> I think as things stand, those three men will likely vote for Arcade. Dundee's reputation is against him. That ain't nobody's fault but your own. You've always said you'd run the town the way you want. Shut up, Max. Now then, there's just one thing to do. What's that? Arcade's known as a law-abiding town. That's on account of Dan Graham. They say he's the doggondest fellow for keeping a law you ever seen. I think you men can handle that. Yeah? Mean him? I want things to butt wide open here. I want Palmer and Hutton and Ulrich to get the idea that Arcade's one of the most lawless towns they've ever seen. I want those men so disgusted with the place before the next week is up that they wouldn't vote for it under any consideration. And that's your job. How far can we go? As far as you wish. There's no strings tied to it? None whatever. With one condition. Don't get caught. Someone might know that you're in my employ and start putting two and two together. That would ruin things. Mr. Blake will stand this town on its head. I'd like to make one suggestion. Yeah, go right ahead. I think that a series of hold-ups would be most effective. Take a man's cash and start him thinking. <laughs> I get you. Hold up some of the members of the legislature. In fact, you might hold up the three men I've mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be a good idea. Keep them in mind. Hutton, Ulrich, Palmer. Up with your hands, mister. Hutton, Blitzer. Hold up. I'll pass over your cash before I blow your head off. This is a hold-up. Give me that wallet. Don't make a move, partner. I'm collecting. This is a hold-up. I'll take that cash. Stay where you are. Up with your hands, friend. This is a hold-up. A hold-up, mister. Don't make a move. A hold-up. <laughs> This is no trade. They took every penny I had. Hold my cash and brought daylight. What's your cake coming to me? There's no law here. Hold my cash. Hell me up. Oh, 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 fella. Oh, boy. Some of the reports we heard about arcades certainly weren't exaggerated. What you find out? There have been more holdups this past week in town than in the last two years together. Mm, that heat bad. And certainly unfortunate with a vote on the Capitol coming up the day after tomorrow. If Dundee wins out, it'll be one of the worst things that could happen. Dundee, heat crooked town. And dominated by that fellow Blake. Wait, what matter? Dominated by Blake. I wonder... Uh, me no Blake. Him big crook. Law not catch him, though. The crook... Hasn't been caught by the law. Thought it would may not mean a thing. May get us nowhere. But I've got an idea. Blake would bear investigating. Now, what we do then? You and I are going back to town. We go now? Yes, call Scout. Here, Scout. By the time we get there, it'll be dark again. Uh huh. You want disguise? No, I'll stay out of sight. No one will question you. Locate Blake. Follow him. See who he talks to. Find out what he has to say, if possible. Don't do that. I'll be waiting for you behind the cafe. It isn't likely anyone will be alone that way, and there's plenty of cover. Uh huh. If you hear and notice anything at all that we can act on, let me know at once. If our cage to win the capital, we'll have to act in a hurry. That's right. Steady, old fellow. Uh, come on, get up, scout. Since the day he had issued instructions to Rip and Max, Blake had avoided all contact with them. He cultivated the acquaintance of the three legislators whose votes might settle Dundee's fate, and he lost no opportunity to point out Arcade's lawlessness. One evening he learned that Palmer and Dullerick planned a strong protest to the sheriff, Dan Graham. 
So Blake joined them as they walked down the street toward the cafe and... I tell you, gentlemen, it would be an insult. An insult, gentlemen, to our state to make Arcade his capital after the events of past week. Things have been mighty bad, Blake, and that's fact. Bad? Outrageous. Of course, uh, Dundee ain't such a pious town. Mr. Elric, Dundee has his faults. Yes, I confess it. But I can give you my word that in all the years I've lived there, there's been no such outbreak as this. Uh-huh. Uh, how long has it been since you've been in Dundee? Oh, maybe two years. And you, Mr. Palmer? Gosh, I ain't been there for longer than that. But she was sure a rip-snort and terror that time. Ah, then you should visit Dundee now, gentlemen. I give you my word, you'd not recognize the town. Not worse, has it? Worse? Well, I should say not. I venture to say, gentlemen, that you won't find a more decent, self-respecting community anywhere between here and New England. In fact, Boston has the most... You just now said you had to admit it had its fault. What town hasn't? They amount to nothing. That don't just square with the stories I've heard. Lies maliciously circulated by the unscrupulous citizens of Arcade. Oh, I didn't mean I was just told them things by folks from here. A bad reputation is a hard thing to live down, Mr. Palmer. But Dundee is doing it. Uh, here's the cafe. Dan's here, most likely. That was his horse we just passed at the hitch rail. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Bob. Hi there, Sheriff. Howdy, gents. Good evening. Howdy, Dan. Can me in a drink? No, but reckon not. I believe these gentlemen have something of importance to say to you, Sheriff. Yeah, something important? Well, gosh, I reckon it must be from the looks on your faces. Well, I wasn't hankering real bad for a drink myself, but maybe I'll been eating one. Barkeep, about three fingers of red eye. Oh, what? Take your pardon, uh, Injun. If I bumped you, I didn't see you standing there. Not all right. Here you are, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. This ought to be fortifying. There. Now let's have it. It's got to do with them holdups, I'll bet you. Something will have to be done, Dan. There's going to be. Ah, uh, going to be. You proved yourself incompetent to handle the situation. Arcade is simply too lawless for you. Hmm, always done all right up until now, didn't I? I'm not a resident of Arcade, I couldn't say. Then don't get so pesky anxious to have you say so now. Oh, now, Dan, nobody means to get you riled. This fellow does. He just spoke hasty is all. Doggone it, Dan. You savvy as well as we do. This can't go on. Why, blast it. I've been held up twice. We've all been held up. Didn't you hear me say there was going to be something done about it? But you can't let these Shucks things... them fellas ain't so tough. When Arcade wasn't nothing but a cross-trails cow town, I met up with plenty worse than them and put a curl in their tails, too. You... You mean you have an idea who the scoundrels are? I have. Dan, I'm mighty glad to hear it. That makes real good hearing. Uh, who are they? I ain't a saying. But I want oh, to know. <laughs> Shucks, Blake. There ain't no use trying to pump Dan when he don't feel like talking. You might just well save your breath. But as a taxpayer, you I ain't demand... a taxpayer in this county. And if you was, you still wouldn't be running my office. I think this is just a bluff, sir. I don't believe you have the slightest clue to the identities of those crooks. What's more, if you had, I have no confidence in your ability to capture them. Yeah? Well, Mr. Blake, you listen to me. Well, I'll listen to you. By this time tomorrow night, I'll have them fellas locked up behind bars. You see if I don't. Then when I've got them there, I'm going to look you up and make you eat your word. Ah, you're sure a fire eater, Dan. I am with them as riles me. Tomorrow night, I'll remind you of your promise. That suits me fine. Now, if you folks will excuse me, I'll be getting about my business. Well, there's nothing to keep us here. Come on, fellas, we'll walk back as far as the office with Dan if he's going that way. Want some more to eat, Redskin? No. Time to go now. Good night. Drop in again. I think we 30 hit a good prime stock. Steady. Steady, Scout. Get him up, Scout. Get him up. We've got to get to White Friend Pass. Get him up, Scout. That you, people, Tommy? Tonto, here news. Oh, Scout, ho. Oh. Ho, oh, fella, ho. Oh. Hey, oh. Silver. Oh. what did you hear? Sheriff Pell Blake. Him catch outlaw. Soon. I wonder if the sheriff has any idea who they are. Uh-huh. Him say him no, fella. He did? You're sure of that? Not right. He told that to Blake? Not right. Where's the sheriff now? Him go. 
That way. You heard nothing that would connect Blake with the crooks? No. Me not here. Possible there isn't a connection. But still, what you think? No, Tata. We don't dare take the chance. What you mean? I mean that if Blake is behind these holdups, he'll tell the crooks that the sheriff threatens him. Oh. And if they're convinced the sheriff suspects who they are, they'll take steps to see he never gets a chance to use that knowledge. Uh Uh-huh. Blake may be innocent, Tato, but if we fail to take precautions because of our doubt, we might be responsible for a man's death. May'd not hesitate to kill. And what we do? You said the sheriff left the cafe? That right. And we're going to find him. We're going to keep him in sight until we know he's safe. And that good idea. Let's go, Tato. Get him up, Scott. I'll silver away! The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Now to continue our story. The Lone Ranger and Tonto rode after the sheriff to protect him. Several hours later, after the town had quieted down for the night and the sheriff had returned to his home, Max and Rip followed him. So the middling old fool thinks he's got us spotted, does he? Well, his being so doggone smart is just the worst luck he ever had. Ah, he might have just been running a ranny. Blake says he wasn't. Sure, but Blake don't know everything, even if he thinks he does. Is there any reason why we should take the chance of being jailed? No, reckon not. Sheriff has got to be shut up and shut up to stay. You got any objections? Well, the only thing is, I ain't much for killing. I'd rather keep inside the law. Inside the law? What in places do you think we've been doing this last week? Studying to be sky pilots? Oh, shucks. You can't hardly call a few holdups being crooked. Why, that's more of a pastime, sort of. And if you never did anything crooked before, you sure are before this night's over. Well, I can stand it better than the sheriff, I reckon. There's his house. Must be still up. Leave the horses here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on. I'm with you. Hey there, boy. Somebody's burning a lamp. Huh? Sheriff ain't hitched, is he? Don't think he is. Uh, it's most likely him. We'll find out mighty quick. Now keep that big mouth of yours closed. Gosh, you're agreeable. Quiet. It's him, Rip. What a blame good target he'll make sitting there beside that lamp. Look here. We'll both let him have it, then make tracks for the horses. Yeah. Put down those guns. What? I said drop those guns. Let the sheriff have it and get out. Oh, my hand. Who shot him? Who shot him? Come on, Silver. Grab him, Tonto. Tonto, get him. Come on, run for it. My hand. Now you don't. In the saddle with you. Let me go. Let me go. Get that fellow, Tonto. Give me my hand. Come on, Silver. Come on. Get him on the Carrying their two struggling and terrified prisoners across their saddles, the Lone Ranger and Tonto raced for camp. There they reined in their horses. Oh, 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 oh. Down with you. What do you want with that? Bless you. You nearly broke my hand off. Your hand isn't hurt. But if I hadn't hit your gun, your shot might have killed the sheriff. Ah, uh, what's that to you? I'll ask the questions. Yeah, what's this? Keep your hands away from that pocket. A wallet. Looks like a lot of cash in it, too. 
Some of the money you've stolen? What do you mean that we stole? I know you're the men who've been responsible for the holdups in town. That ain't so. You can't prove nothing on us. You're Blake's men, aren't you? Blake? Who's he? Never heard of him. And why did you try to kill the sheriff? What do you mean? Father and I were near the sheriff's home because we knew Blake had been told the sheriff suspected certain men of the holdups. We knew Blake might have reason to be behind those holdups. We were, he'd warn the men he'd hired. You must be loco. And then we found you attempting to kill the sheriff. It fits too well. There's no use your denying it. You can talk all you want, but you won't get nothing out of us. I don't doubt, but what this wallet is stolen. What have you done with the rest of the loot? There must be a great deal more. You heard what Max told you. We can't stop you from asking, but you sure can't make us answer. Very well. Tell her. Uh, put these men back in the saddle. We'll take them into the sheriff. Hey, you can't. He was leaning out of the window before we got away. He must have seen these men. He'll recognize them again. Uh, we turn them over to law, huh? Get mounted, you two. No, wait. The sheriff's seen you two. Of course. But Tato and I'll be able to get away again. We'll see that you don't. Mm, what do you want to know? I'll ask you once more. Where have you hidden the money you've stolen? Tell him, Rip. We can't let him take us back. Hurry. We buried it right next to that big cottonwood. Straight back from the harness shop. The one in the meadow? Uh-huh. Now, let us go. We told you what you asked us. Not all of it. I want a confession that you've been employed by Blake. We don't know the fellow at all. We told you that. I heard you, but I didn't believe it. We've done all the talking we're going to. And I'm afraid you will have to see the sheriff. All right, go on and take us. We still ain't talking. You don't have to. Huh? You've already confessed. We never done no such thing. It wasn't difficult to get you to tell where the loot was hidden. Because you're being paid by someone for these holdups. You can think what you want. You still have something to gain. As long as you don't get in bad with Blake by implicating him. Go on and talk. See what good it does you. There's probably still another motive for your silence. You're more afraid of Blake's anger than you are of the sheriff. (laughs) You're a mighty good guesser, ain't you? Those aren't guesses. They agree with the facts. What do you aim to do with us? There are several things I'm going to do. Yeah? I'm going to see that when the vote is taken in the legislature the day after tomorrow, Arcade gets the capital. A fine chance that town's got. When that happens, Blake will be ruined. Dundee's a boom town. It's slipping already. If Blake could have secured the capital for Dundee, it would have come out on top. Without the capital, his investment will soon be worthless. What's that got to do with us? Blake is not only going to be ruined, he's going to believe you two the cause of it. What? You're talking through your hat. We'll see. Tonto, disarm these men and tie them. They're not going to get the chance to skip out before Blake deals with them. The attack on the sheriff's life had made them arrive at a final decision concerning the proper location for the state capital and... No, Dan, we're sorry about what happened and all, but Dundee is going to get our vote. That crooked town? That's just your opinion, Dan. No, I feel like Palmer here does. First it's holdups, and then it comes close to being murder. We're friends of yours, and we'd like to please you. But we're here representing the folks that elected us. We've got to decide things like this in the way we think is best. That's the way it is, Dan. You're the best friends I've got. Well, thank you, Dan. And besides that, you're a couple of blind, addle-headed, stubborn, woolly-brained idiots that ain't got the sense of a day-old calf that's been kicked in the head by a mule. You're being fooled by that Blake fellow with all his slick talk. And you're just dumb enough to think you're smart enough to decide for yourself. Get out of here. Go on, get out. I don't feel so friendly just now. Well... We'll rob around again tomorrow when you're over your unfriendly feeling. Come on, Palmer. Stay where you are. What the? Mask. Put down them guns. Careful, Sheriff. Don't make the mistake of trying to draw. You're Ulrich. What if I am? And you're Palmer. I am. 
Then I've got a message for you. We got nothing to do with a masked crook. You see these guns? You can't scare us. Certain friends of mine are interested in the way you'll vote on the state capitol tomorrow. I'm here to tell you how to vote. Why, you... You'll vote for Dundee. Or take the consequences. You're threatening us? I think you understand me. You see, I told you what kind of a town that was. Hiring gunmen to bully you fellas into voting their way. Who sent you here? Never mind that. Just remember this. Vote for Dundee. Or, or you may stop lead. You listen to me. Well? No man ever bullied me with a gun and got away with it. You ain't going to be the first one. You've had your warning. That's enough. Vote for Dundee. Oh, they're so angry, they wouldn't vote for Dundee no matter what happens. Now to call on Carl Hutton. Come on, Silver. Get up, I'm not here to rob you, Hutton. Then what do you want? Here, this wallet. Take it. What's this for? You're a banker, Hutton. You understand the value of money. My friends are giving you that. And expect to get value in return. Value? Tomorrow you're voting for Dundee. Don't forget. If you do forget, this won't be a healthy state for you. Well, I'll be... Now what? Trying to bribe me. Bribe me with my own money. You crook, this is the wallet that was stolen from me just three nights ago. Then you're lucky to get it back. (laughs) Now back to camp, Tonto. The following day, when the legislature convened for the all-important vote, feeling ran at fever heat. The temporary Capitol building, a converted town hall, was filled to overflowing with partisan spectators. No one could guess at the outcome of the vote, though everyone present knew it would be close. At the sound of the gavel, the crowd became silent. The vote was to be taken by roll call, and as the clerk called out the names of the legislators, one by one, and each replied, the tension mounted. James Keegan. Dundee. Harry Palmer. Arcade. Carl Hutton. Arcade. Slowly the roll was called. Slowly the vote was cast. Then at last, the clerk reached the final name on his list, that of Fred Ulrich. Fred Ulrich. Staging them holdups. I seen him outside my house just after I was shot at. No, no, I please, didn't. please, we would trick you. are going to jail and answer some downright pointed questions. And when you're through with them, Sheriff, turn them over to me. They ruined me with their blundering, and I'll see that they pay. And though there are several people in town who think me an outlaw, but the results were worth it. Uh-huh. Arcade got the capital. Blake lost out. Whether his two men are convicted by the law or not, Blake will see to it their lives are made miserable. <laughs> Him plenty man. Hello, Silver! Away! <laughs> 
have just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!